I'd like to uh, begin the whole concept of talking on this Restore series uh, by having you listen to a story of uh, something that my dad restored, uh, which was an antique uh, that had been a part of our family for years and years and years. And uh, it was a hutch that was given to my mom uh, by her aunt. And it was made in the late 1800s. And uh, it was all hand carved uh, by someone in our family. And uh, today it actually sits in our entryway uh, when you walk into our house. I can still uh, remember, though, the restoration process. My dad spent an entire summer in a garage sweating profusely trying to make this thing come back to new. And he cleaned it and he sanded it and stained it until finally it was fully restored and it looked amazing. He actually brought it back to life. Now this morning, I simply want to ask you a question and it's this. What needs to be restored in your life? What is it that needs to be restored in your life? Maybe for some of you, it's a relationship. Maybe for others of you, it is the pace of your life. Maybe it's your mind. Maybe it's your body. Maybe for some of you, it's things in your past that you feel like need to be restored. Maybe for some of you, it's the way that you talk about yourself. You kind of have a negative uh, self-talk that you have regularly, and it needs some restoration to that. Well, today we're beginning a brand new series called Restored. And what I want to talk about is when God actually kind of specializes in restoring our soul. We're going to be looking at the most popular uh, chapter potentially in the entire Bible that people know. And that is the 23rd Psalm. And we're going to be looking at how God actually chooses to restore our souls. Now, the 23rd Psalm, more than likely, is known by your neighbor who uh, doesn't go to church at all. It's probably known by a co-worker who is a hellion. Uh, it's probably known by your friends and family who want nothing to do with church whatsoever. It's a, a popular chapter that everyone knows. In fact, it's probably needle-pointed in your grandmother's uh, pillow that's on the sofa, okay? Because people know this. The 23rd Psalm is kind of like the Lord's Prayer. Most of us, when we say the Lord's Prayer, uh, we think we know it by heart, and we start really, really strong, and then it kind of goes down to almost nothing, and we don't even remember what we're saying, and then all of a sudden it gets stronger. It's kind of like the 23rd Psalm. It begins maybe something like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down by green pastures and poo. I have no idea. And then we kind of finish strong at the very end. And then we actually say, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. And we're good. And the 23rd Psalm is just something that many of us would say that we know. But the reality is do we really live out that promise and the power in it? Because if we will take this promise 
Our lives are going to be changed and we will be restored. We will be restored fully. Now, uh, here's your first fill-in for today. And you need to know that Psalm 23 was written by a guy by the name of David. Now, we know David's story mainly because of the fact that he was the greatest king of the entire Old Testament. Um, But before he ever became a king, he actually was a shepherd. That was his first occupation. And he was trained by his uh, father, Jesse, and he learned about sheep. That was all that he had ever known. He had seen sheep and he learned how to lead and guide sheep. And for most of his early life, it was just sheep, sheep, sheep. Bah! 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 It was all about the sheep. Now, we're not exactly sure when David wrote this. Some scholars believe it's at the end of his life as he's looking back and thinking about all of God's goodness to him. And many times we'll uh, actually share this during a funeral when we think of a person at the end of their life. But there are other scholars who believe that he actually wrote this as a teenager. And I actually have started to believe that more and more, that at the beginning of his life, because he's a young shepherd and he's looking out and he's seeing all of these sheep and he's with these sheep all the time, just bah, bah, all single day, when finally this tremendous thought comes to his mind that he had never thought of before. And this was the thought. The Lord is my shepherd. That as he is a shepherd to these sheep, David finally realizes, no, no, no. The Lord is my shepherd. And he has this thought constantly that the Lord is my shepherd. Not everyone else's, it's my shepherd. Now, in the Bible, the word Lord uh, is, at least in the one that I have, is in all caps. And I did some study this week on why, in our translations today, why do they put that in all caps? And the reason is, is because it refers to, in Hebrew, the name of Jehovah. And this uh, word, Jehovah was a word that was given to God, but no one would ever, if you were a good Jew, no one ever said this name. This name was too holy. It was the ultimate name for God that you would not say it. And so they actually came up with the second word called Adonai, which means Lord. But as David is talking about it, he's very clear that this is the God of the universe. And any time that you see the word Lord, all in caps, you need to remember that it is the word Jehovah. And that word actually means, I am who I am. That I am who I am. You see, God dwells in the eternal present tense. He doesn't dwell in three tenses like you and I do. When we talk about ourselves, we say, I was, I am, I will be. I was, I am, I will be. But God doesn't refer to himself that way. God refers himself in the present tense all the time. I am, I am, I am. And even though David was just a teenager, 
a pimple-faced teenager, he got a tremendous sense of the fact that God is always with me. He is the great I am who never walks away. He never fails me. He's always with me. He is my shepherd. I heard a story about a guy who uh, actually drove up uh, in front of a bank one day and he had a friend with him. And he turned to his friend and he said, hey, last week I was parked in this very position when a Brinks truck came up and they took $10 million into the bank. And his friend just kind of looked at him and was like, so? He's like, what are you talking about? Do you know how cool that is? They took $10 million and they took it in the bank and I saw it. And he said, I'd be impressed, but you missed two words. He said, well, what are you talking about? Yeah, I missed two words. He said, the only way I would have been impressed is if you would have said that I saw them take $10 million in there for me. For me. Like, it is totally about where this comes from. It makes all the difference, doesn't it? It makes all the difference. Is it for me? It is not just sufficient enough to say that the Lord is the shepherd. The Lord is a good shepherd. The Lord is a great shepherd. But it means something very, very differently when you finally are able to say that the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my Shepherd, And this leads us to our big idea this morning, and it's this. God cares for you, and He wants to be your shepherd. God cares for you, and He wants to be your shepherd. You know, the relationship that Jesus uses to talk about God uh, and how God cares for us is this relationship between a shepherd and a sheep. In fact, the Bible talks about sheep more than any other animal in the entire Bible. Uh, anyone want to know how many times the word cat is mentioned in the Bible? None. You know why? Because God doesn't like cats. Okay, no, I'm just joking. If, if you're a cat person, don't send me an email. I'm just joking. Okay, just joking. But there is no word of cat. Okay, um, but he loves this concept of sheep. It's over 500 times that it's mentioned because they tell us something very deep about our human condition. And that's this, that sheep need a shepherd. Sheep need guidance because sheep tend to wander off and to do their own thing. They tend to make bad decisions. They tend to go their own way. And that's why the prophet Isaiah said it this way. All we like sheep have gone, what's the next word? Astray. Every single one of us in this auditorium today, every single one of you on this stream, the one thing that we have in common, folks, as human beings, is we have a tendency to go astray. We're just that way. We tend to live lives that are overstressed and hurried and are always on the go and exhausted. We spend very little time uh, just with having any margin in our life. Next week, I'm going to talk about how we choose to live not a hurried life. 
But for most of us, we are constantly on the go. We're, we're doing things, constantly moving all the time. And we think to ourselves, well, everybody else is living this way. I should too. And then we start thinking, well, everybody else is acting this way. Then I should too. And then pretty soon we become a slave to what everybody else is doing. And we have a tendency to fall into temptation and maybe sometimes even addiction. That will do harm. And it all becomes when we begin to start choosing to neglect the greatest relationship that we have in our life and the greatest relationship that you have, whether you know it or not, whether you're a Christ follower or not, the greatest relationship you have that we tend to neglect is our relationship with God. And I do it. And you do it. We all go astray. And Jesus understood this about human beings. And one time he's in the midst of a crowd and Jesus said these words. He said, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a, what's it say? A shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. Folks, everybody needs a shepherd. It stings our pride, but it's actually true. We need a shepherd. And your shepherd is whomever or whoever you put your greatest amount of trust in. That is your shepherd. For some of us, it's our job. For some of us, it's our 401k. For others of us, we think that other people and pleasing them is our shepherd. Alcohol is our shepherd. Drugs is our shepherd. Relationship is my shepherd. Success is my shepherd. Folks, we all have a shepherd. So this is what I want to encourage you. Choose your shepherd wisely. Choose your shepherd wisely. Choose them carefully. Today, God cares for you. And he says, I want you to be my sheep. I want to be your shepherd. You be my sheep. Now, this verse goes on to say that the Lord is my shepherd And I shall not be in want. I shall not be in want. Now, what does that mean that I shall not be in want? Well, it doesn't mean that God is going to meet all of your wants. That's what a lot of people think this is. The Lord is my shepherd. He's going to meet all of my wants. That's not what he says. He says this, that for those who are trusting in him, that those who trust in the Lord, just as sheep trust in a shepherd... You will never lack for what you need. If you're able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, or you say, the Lord is your shepherd, he will meet your needs. And when he meets your needs, you have a tendency then to be able to walk through life and you're content. Now, what does that word contentment mean? Well, here's our definition for today. Contentment is trusting God to meet my needs. Contentment is actually trusting God to meet my needs. Now, what are some of the human needs that every single one of us have? How many of you think that air and oxygen are a human need? Raise your hand. Okay, yes. How about water? Is that a human need? Yes. How about food? Is that a human need? Yeah. Because you can only live a few seconds without air, a few days without water, and a few weeks without food. But eventually, you need all of those. Those are basic needs that we have. But this is what I found in my own life, is that God doesn't just meet my needs of those three things, but he meets 
many more things than that. He actually meets my wants. He meets my wants of clothing and housing and transportation and ESPN. And maybe for you, it's HDTV, right? Or, you know, it's Netflix or it's, you know, Prime, Amazon Amazon Prime, any of that. But you literally could start living your life in such a way that you could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and I can be content. I shall not be in want. Now, there is an enemy to contentment, folks. And uh, here's the enemy. The enemy is comparison. Comparison. Have you ever compared yourself to anyone else? Maybe it sounds something like this. Their life is so much better than my life. My life stinks. And folks, all of a sudden, what's happening? We aren't content anymore. Why? Because we're comparing ourselves to another sheep. Galatians 6.4 says this, Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you've been given. Then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't, what's the next word? Compare yourself with others. Folks, when you and I compare ourselves with others to other sheep, we lose our joy. It's kind of like this. You might get a car. And you really like this car. And this car is great. And you're thankful for this car. And this car is special for uh, to you. And then all of a sudden your neighbor gets a brand new SUV with all the bells and all the whistles. And all of a sudden you think my car is not so great anymore. The fastest way to kill something is, uh, that is special is to compare it to something else. The fastest way to kill something that is special is to compare it to something else. For all of our students, some of you are getting ready to go back to school either this week or next week. And the reality is when you go, you might have some new clothes or you might have some new kicks. And you walk in with your new kicks and you're like, man, I love my shoes. They're awesome. But somebody else walks in who has has cooler, newer, more expensive kicks than you. And you're going to be tempted to go, oh, I don't like mine as much. And you might even try to spit on their shoes. (laughs) Don't spit on their shoes, okay? Don't do that. That is not good. Folks, comparison will always take the joy right out of our life. Because the more we compare ourselves with others, the less contentment we have. The more that you compare yourself to somebody else, the less contentment you have. And it changes the way that you see the shepherd. Now, there is a synonym to the word contentment that I think is very powerful. But it's one that when we think about it, honestly, we really don't want to say it out loud. And so in just a moment, we're going to put on the screens, uh, and those of you on the stream, you'll be able to see it as well. And uh, what I'd like us all to do, it's more fun when we all participate, so if you could do this as well, I want you to pronounce it out loud. So I'm going to count down from three, two, one, and then we're going to say it out loud. It'll come on the screens. Three, two, one, pronounce the word. What is it? Enough. Enough. Let's say it again. Enough. No, one more time. Enough. Some of you are having a hard time saying this this morning, aren't you? Because you don't like that word enough. Because when you go on eBay or Facebook Marketplace or OfferUp, you don't want to say 
I have enough. You want to say, I want more. Or when you're driving in your car and you see a store and you're tempted to go into that favorite store. It's almost like it's a magnet maybe that's drawing your car. You need to be able to look at it and wave at it and just be able to say, I have enough. I have enough. Now, how do we get to this point? How do we get to the point where we say, I have enough? It's when we realize that we can rely on the strength of the shepherd. The only way that you ever find contentment is when you finally realize that you can rely on the strength of the shepherd. Contentment is not having the right stuff or having the right relationship or having the right circumstances. It is found in a relationship with Christ and Christ alone. Now, here's the good news. If you want, if you want, you can make Jesus your shepherd. Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. Jesus is real and he wants to care for you and guide you and shield you and watch over you. Now, this does not mean that bad things will happen in your life because Jesus also said this, that there will be trouble in this life. (laughs) We all understand that, right? Every single one of us gets that. Trouble today, trouble tomorrow, trouble the next day. Trouble will hit our lives. No one goes beyond that. But this is the assurance that you have when you make him your good shepherd, that you never go through those troubles alone. There is always one who is present and within with you, and you never go through it alone. You don't face it alone. It means that you have a good shepherd. Jesus actually talks about this in a personal way when he says this. The sheep, li- the sheep listen uh, to the shepherd's voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. Now, sometimes when I read the Bible, I'll have questions that I have. Sometimes I might even have doubts. It's okay To have doubts as you're reading scripture. Doubts actually grow your faith. It doesn't take away from your faith. And one time I remember reading this passage and I started wondering, because I'd never been raised around sheep, do sheep really listen to the voice of shepherds? And so I found a video of uh, three different strangers who actually kind of call the exact same call of the shepherd of these sheep. They say the exact same call, and then the shepherd says it, and let's take a look at what actually happens. Look at them. 
Dia kamit. Was that cool or what? And this is what I want you to know. That the way that sheep know the shepherd's voice is through three different ways. One is through scripture. When you read the Bible, you can get to know and trust and to follow the voice of God. You can do that. You can open it up and you can actually get to know the voice of God. Of Jesus. It's when we pray as well. When we take time and we, we actually set aside time to actually ask God to be a part, we begin to start listening to His voice. When you actually ask for forgiveness of the things that you've done wrong, you actually begin to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd who forgives you. Maybe for some of you today, the voice that has been kind of calling to you is is to get baptized. You've never been baptized before, and today's the day in which you could make that commitment. You could say, I want to get baptized. You could check that to say, that's me. Another way that sometimes we hear his voice is when we say, Lord, I want to make amends with this person, but I don't know how to do it. But then you go ahead and do it, and then all of a sudden you begin to hear His voice. Folks, God doesn't just want you to simply hear his voice, but he also wants you to know that he is the good shepherd who loves you and cares for you. And he never walks away from you. And Jesus made this so personal when he said that the good shepherd calls his sheep by name. Now, I live with three females in my house, and uh, it was pretty difficult until a few years ago, we added a male to our house, and that is a guinea pig. And uh, we have this male guinea pig that my youngest daughter Shiloh has, and uh, I think we have a picture of him. There's the rat uh, that he is right there. And uh, this rat uh, has become a part of our family, and my youngest daughter, Shiloh, she loves this guinea pig, and she actually named this guinea pig, and the guinea pig's name is Cookie Dough. Now, I want you to know, it does not smell like Cookie Dough. It smells horribly bad, but that is its name. And when you get an animal, whether it's a cat or a dog or a guinea pig, you don't just say, hey, you... You actually name that particular animal. And in the same way, Jesus said, I call my sheep by name. It means that God knows you personally. It's not just that God loves the world, but God loves you. God loves Addison. God loves Joe. God loves Sally. He knows you by name. 
Your body, your temperament, whether you're a thinker or a feeler, an introvert or an extrovert, coordinated or clumsy, prone to be anxious or addicted or depressed or divorced or filled with doubts, God is not neutral about you, folks. God is not distant from you. God knows you because God made you. And you know, even human beings understand this. We become very attached to things that we make. My wife Jennifer and I made these two creatures. These are our daughters, Jordan and Shiloh. We love them, but they drive us crazy sometimes. The reason I have gray hair was before I had kids, I had no gray hair. Once I had kids, gray hair started coming. And it hasn't stopped. It just keeps on going and going. But we would not trade these girls in for anything. And the reality is, is that both of their pictures hang on our refrigerator. And this is what I need you to know. For some of you, this may be the most important thing you hear today. And it's this, that if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Do you know how much God loves you? Do you understand the scope of his great love for you? This is what Jesus said. He said, this is how much I love you. I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus did that for people that he loved. He chose to go to a cross and to die upon it for all of our sins from our past, where we're at today, and our sins in the future. He made this sacrifice so that each of us would have a fresh, brand new start, and we could understand that it's not just with Jesus now, but with Jesus in eternity forever. The Lord is my shepherd, and He is enough. The Lord is my shepherd. I have enough. And today, I want to invite you to make Jesus your shepherd. And you might be wondering, well, how do I do this? Well, the first thing you really do is you make a commitment that says, you're in charge of my life. No other shepherd has that place. You are my shepherd. And then you ask for forgiveness of the ways that you've messed up. And then you say, God, it's my intention from now until the day I die that I want to follow you. I want to follow you. And the way you kind of continue to grow in that relationship, and some of you have already made that commitment, you get in God's word, the Bible, and you pray And you have a sense of community, a small group, a group of people you do life with together. And maybe for some of you today, what the the thing that you could do is say, I want to get baptized. For those of you that are here for this morning, you could go and have brunch, whatever, come back for the baptism class that I'm teaching. For those of you that are on the stream, hey, get a shower, uh, come this way. Uh, be a part of the class. It'll be in the community room 
right after the celebration and you make that commitment that he is going to be the shepherd of my life. He's the one that's going to guide me and direct me. And you can do that because this is the truth. He is truly enough. The Lord is my shepherd and he is enough. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being willing to be our shepherd. Thank you for caring for us and loving us and choosing God to have a relationship with us. Thank you for sending Jesus, God, to remind us that he is the good shepherd and he always wants to give good to us. Now, maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, I'm the black sheep of my family, or you feel that way on the stream. That you feel like you've been a bad sheep for far too long, and there's no way that the Good Shepherd would want anything to do with me. And I want you to know that's just purely a lie. That's just a lie. God loves you so much, He wants to be your shepherd. And you get the opportunity to actually make that commitment today. To say that I I want him to be my shepherd. And maybe for some of you, you've drifted away from God. But this is the day that you can make a recommitment that I'm coming back. I want him to be the shepherd of my life. And I'm going to invite you into a prayer. And in fact, let me pray for you before we do that right now. God, I pray right now for every single person in this auditorium, for every single person who's on the stream right now. That God, you would remind them that you love them and you've always loved them on their best day, on their worst day, on every day in between. Because you are the shepherd who longs to forgive and love your sheep. And today, if you're ready to make that commitment to allow Him to be your good shepherd, to receive His forgiveness, to be able to say, Jesus, I want you to be my good shepherd. I need your love. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I'm going to invite you in a prayer. But it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's one that we pray in community together. And I invite you to simply repeat this prayer, which is your prayer after me, if you feel comfortable doing so. Just repeat this after me. God, thank you for sending Jesus from heaven to earth to be my good shepherd. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.